Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the Podcon Go Network. Podcon Go. Family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Grab a blanket and a pair of binoculars. It's time for a story. Today's story is The Ants Monday Dinner by Helen Hunt Jackson. How did I know what the ants had for dinner last Monday? It is odd that I should have known, but I'll tell you how it happened. I was sitting under a big pine tree, high up on a hillside. The hillside was more than 7,000 feet above the sea, and that is higher than many mountains which people travel hundreds of miles to look at. But this hillside was in Colorado, so there was nothing wonderful in being up so high. I had been watching the great mountains, with snow on them, and the great forests of pine trees, miles and miles of them, so close together that it looks as if you could lie down on their tops and not fall through. And my eyes were tired with looking at such great grand things, so many miles off. So I looked down at the ground, right where I was sitting, and watched the ants, which were running about everywhere, as busy and restless as if they had the whole world on their shoulders. Suddenly, I saw a tiny caterpillar, which seemed to be bounding along in a very strange way. In a second more, I saw an ant seize hold of him and begin to drag him off. The caterpillar was three times as long as the ant, and his body was more than twice as large around as the biggest part of the ant's body. (laughs) Mr. Ant, said I, You didn't think you're going to be strong enough to drag that fellow very far. Why, it was about the same thing as if you or I should drag off a calf, which was kicking and struggling all the time. Only that calf hasn't half so many legs to catch hold of things with as the caterpillar had. Poor caterpillar. How he did try to get away. But the ant never gave him a second's time to take a good grip of anything. He was cunning enough, too, to drag him on his side so that he couldn't use his legs very well. Up and down and under and over stones and sticks, in and out of tufts of grass, up to the very top of the tallest blades and then down again, over gravel and sand and across bridges of pine needles from stone to stone, backward all the way ran that ant dragging the caterpillar after him. I watched him very closely, thinking, of course, he must be going towards his house. Presently, he darted up the trunk of a pine tree. Dear me, I said, ants don't live in trees. What does this mean? The bark of the tree was all broken and jagged and full of seams 20 times as deep as the height of the ant's body but he didn't mind. Down one side and up the other he went. They must have been awful chasms to him, and yet he never once stopped or went a bit slower. 
I had to watch the ant very closely not to lose sight of him altogether. I began to think that he was merely trying to kill the caterpillar, that perhaps he didn't mean to eat him after all. How did I know but some ants might hunt caterpillars just as some people hunt deer for fun, and not at all because they need food? If I had been sure of this, I would have spoiled Mr. Ant's sport for him very soon, you may be sure, and set the poor caterpillar free. But I never heard of an ant being cruel. And if it were really for dinner for his family that he was working so hard, I thought he ought to be helped and not hindered. Just then, I heard a sharp cry overhead. I looked up, and there was an enormous hawk sailing around in circles with two small birds flying after him. They were pouncing down on his head and then darting away, and all the time making shrill cries of fright and hatred. I knew very well what that meant. Mr. Hawk was also out trying to do some shopping for his dinner. He had his eye on some little birds in their nest, and there were the father and mother birds driving him away. You wouldn't have believed that two such little birds could drive off such a big creature as the hawk, but they did. They seemed to fairly buzz around his head, just as flies buzz around a horse's head. At last, he gave up the quest and flew off so far that he vanished in the blue sky. And the little birds came skimming home again into the forest. Well, well, said I. The little people are stronger than the big ones after all. Where's my aunt gone? Sure enough, it hadn't been two minutes that I'd been watching the hawk and the birds, but in that two minutes, the ant and the caterpillar had disappeared. At last, I found them. Where do you think? In a fold of my coat on which I was sitting. The ant was running around and around the caterpillar. I shook the fold out, and as soon as the cloth lay straight and smooth, the ant fastened his nippers into his prey and started off as fast as ever. I suppose if I could have seen his face and had understood the language of ant's features, I should have seen plainly written there, Dear me, what sort of a country was that I tumbled into? By this time, the caterpillar had had the breath pretty well knocked out of his body and was so limp and helpless that the ant was not afraid of his getting away from him. So he stopped every now and then to rest. Sometimes he would spring on the caterpillar's back and stretch himself out there. Sometimes he would stand still on one side and look at him sharply, keeping one nipper on his head. All the time he was working steadily in one direction. He was headed for home, I felt certain. It astonished me very much at first that none of the ants he met took any notice of him. They all went on their way and never took so much as a sniff at the caterpillar. But pretty soon I said to myself, oh, you silly woman, not to suppose that ants can be as well-behaved as people. When you passed Mr. Jones yesterday, you didn't peep into his shopping basket, nor touch the cabbage he had under his arm. Presently, the ant dropped the caterpillar and ran on a few steps, I mean inches, to meet another ant who was coming towards him. They put their heads close together for a second. I could not hear what they said, 
but I could easily imagine, for both ran quickly back to the caterpillar, and one took him by the head, and the other by the tail, and then they lugged him along finally. It was only a few steps, however, to the ant's house, and that was the reason he happened to meet this friend, just coming out. The door was a round hole in the ground, about as big as my little finger. Several ants were standing in the doorway, watching these two come up with the caterpillar. They all took hold, as soon as the caterpillar was on the doorstep, and almost before I knew he was there, they had tumbled him down, heels overhead, into the ground. And that was the last I saw of him. The oddest thing was how the ants came running home from all directions. I don't believe there was any dinner bell rung, though there might have been one, too fine for my ears to hear. But in a minute, I counted 33 ants running down that hole. I fancied they looked as hungry as wolves. I had a great mind to dig down into the hole with a stick and see what had become of the caterpillar. But I thought it wasn't quite fair to take the roof off a man's house to find out how he cooks his meat for dinner. So I sat still and wondered whether they would eat him all up or whether they would leave any for Tuesday. Then I went home to my own dinner. Here, where I live, we are all spending a lot of time at home. And there are things that I like about that. Everything feels slower and calmer, like there's just more time for everything. And I do like that. But I miss seeing my friends and... I used to teach a lot of classes, and I would go out into nature with the Coho kids two or three times a week. We would go into the forest, we would look at streams, we would look up into the trees and the grass and spend time together. And I don't get to do that now. It's kind of hard to get out into nature and to get out into the woods right now because... We're all just supposed to be staying at home for the moment. So, I have to try to find nature here at home. I've planted some plants. That's nature. Yesterday I saw a spider in the bathroom. That's nature. I am seeing birds flying out the windows and my brother sent me a video of a woodpecker. That's nature. But there's always ants. Just a couple of days ago, my little child Desmond was out in the front yard, and he saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ants crawling over some bricks. Ants are nature, and they're pretty fun to watch just like Helen does in today's story. And so, if you can, find some ants. That is my challenge for you this week. If your grown-up says it's safe to be out of your house just enough, right in your neighborhood, to look for ants. 
there are ants. Almost anywhere in the world. As long as it's not too cold and snowy where you are right now, you just might be able to find some ants. And you can watch them. Where are they going? Are they all going to the same place, or are they all going to different places? Are any of them carrying anything? Do they look like they're talking to each other, or communicating with each other in any way, or are they basically just ignoring each other? Head outside, look for some ants, and tell me what you find. You can find Elderberry Tales on Facebook or Instagram, and I would love to hear all about your ants. Today's story, The Ants Monday Dinner by Helen Hunt Jackson, was published over a hundred years ago in 1908 in a book called The Wide Awake Third Reader. But everything in that story is still so true, it could have been written yesterday. Thanks for listening to Elderberry Tales. I'll see you next week.